Thanks, Brian. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to those viewers online. My name is Dave, and this is my wife, Lil, who's just joining me now. And we have just got back from Presence. Did you want to say any of your highlights? Sure. Yeah, it's great to be back home, everyone. Um, we got to see our kids. We got to see my family and have a great time at conference. And my heart is full. <laughs> um, yeah, so conference, the name of conference this year was Freedom. So that was just, it was speaking about our identity and that we have the freedom to be who Christ created us to be. Um, and that's something to celebrate. Um, there was something that um, Pastor John Pierce spoke about in one of the pastor's sessions that just really hit home to me. And he made this quote, which was, don't let insecurity sabotage your destiny. I'll say that again. Don't let insecurity sabotage your destiny. And you know, King Saul, that was his problem. His insecurity was his undoing. He was anointed by God. God had huge plans for him, but his insecurity damaged his destiny. He worried too much about what the people thought of him instead of what God thought. Instead of celebrating who he was in Christ, he compared himself to David. He tried to take David down because of his own insecurity. So comparison is a dangerous trap. The devil comes to rob, steal and destroy. And comparison is what robs us of our identity. The way to overcome that is to celebrate. Celebrate one another's uniqueness. I don't feel called to be a preacher or a speaker. <laughs> and, um, and that's okay. <laughs> God just told me to love the people, so that's what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. So what was really interesting, actually, was that this morning, my reading was really fitting. In my reading this morning, it said, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So celebrate who God created you to be by using your gift with God's confidence. Thanks, babe. Well done. <laughs> So uh, just a note to those watching online and to anyone else here who is not yet in a connect group, starting a connect group is really easy. Um, we have a WhatsApp group. If you've got a smartphone, you can just get in the WhatsApp group and then send us a link saying you want to get the connect group questions. There are questions written every week. You can start a connect group just with two of you. Just has a the portion of the Bible that is talked about on the Sunday morning, you can watch the message, then you get the questions, and you can just work through the questions, as many or as few as you like. You can do it in your lunch hour. You can do it anytime you want. So uh, please, if you'd like to start a connect group and unpack a little bit of what happens on the Sunday morning, then uh, go for it. Well, it's been a great few weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks we've been away and uh, we did get to see our kids and musos. Thank you. You may take a seat. Looks like you've got a string to replace there, Brad. Oh, no. So uh, we enjoyed a week with our kids, and then we went to presents. And um, we go to presents every year. And uh, it, it, it's Pastor's, Pastor Phil's heart that um, 
our movement never loses that desire to seek the presence and experience the presence of God. And so this is his flagship conference. Um, I went to presence this year, probably the most needy I have ever gone because of the build that's been going on here. And by the time I left here, there, there, there was uh, dramas and rumblings with the builder and permits and, and possible lawsuits and things like that, that our board were dealing with. This is why we have a board, so that we can deal with the, the, the rubbish stuff that you don't need to worry about and, uh, and, and make decisions that, that help us move forward. So um, this was a tough moment for me. And then by the time we got to presence after the week, because during the week I'm also getting phone calls from here and phone calls from um, a lawyer and phone calls, things were just not looking good. And I just got more and more fearful more and more agitated, more and more stressed the whole time, and like more and more prayerful, as you might understand. And uh, so I went into the conference knowing that I really needed a touch from God. I really needed his presence. And, and uh, right from the word go, the first message, first night, pastors meet on the first day, and it was just a pastor's group. And it was just powerful stuff, exactly what I needed to hear. The next day, the first guest speaker, exactly what I needed and a step up from the last one. Exactly the one after that, the one after that. It was just amazing. And, um, and uh, at the same time, the drama hasn't gone away. It's still there. But at the same time, you're starting to place your faith in well, I was starting to place my faith in the power and the presence of God, not in my worries and my concerns and my my headspace, and it's looking outside of where you're at. And, uh, and the good thing is, is the Bible is full of this. The Bible is full of looking beyond your current circumstances into the future that God has for you. And I want to just unpack some of this presence conference uh, because it really was so good. So first of all, um, let's just run through a couple of things that happened. Pastor Phil was he was very casual and very uh, free. It was called freedom on the first night, and and in the middle of the singing, he pull, he starts pulling up people, and, and he said to uh, one of the preachers, I think it was John Gray, you know, come up or come and come and sing. So there were moments throughout that night and the rest of the conference where John Gray, for example, hilarious. Not only is a powerful preacher of the Word of God, but hilarious. Man, and funny, and humorous, and, and uh, those who were there know what I'm talking about. Just would break into rap, or, or laughter, or some parody of somebody at, at the drop of a hat, or towel, as it may be. Um, and uh, Jensen Franklin, amazing speaker too, Pastor Phil pulled him up and said, um, I hear, you, I hear you, un you play the sax. And he said, and we found one for you, so come up and play it. So he did, he came up and he played sax with the band, and it was just... Uh, one of those moments. And throughout the time, though, as we're listening to the speakers and listening to the preachers, there can be like a word of God, a story, a moment where you just sense God speaking directly into your heart, into my heart. I, I just sensed just from a word or from from a statement or from some encouragement. It could be quiet. It could be loud. It really didn't matter what it was. There was that moment of, oh, yes, Lord, I sense your presence right now. This is great. This is, this is exactly the healing touch I needed. 
And uh, one in particular stood out to me, and it was when Pastor Phil pulled up Darlene Check. Now, we had had this a cappella band on for five for six guys that sung Darlene Check's most, probably the most famous, most well-known, I think it was the best-selling Christian song around the world for years, Shout to the Lord. Comes out of Hillsong. Darlene Check was the the uh, the author and writer of that song, and was in Hillsong. She was the worship leader at that time. She's since left Hillsong a few years ago, and there, her and her husband are pastoring a church up the coast somewhere. And uh, anyway, he pulls Darlene Check up onto stage. The a cappella group did an amazing rendition of "Shout to the Lord." You know, it gave you goosebumps, which is to me that's like the presence of God. That's that's one of the ways I sense the presence of God. It's just, well, you know. Good music does that to me as well, but that's, there's something about the air, the atmosphere that God just moves through. And Darlene Check gets up, and I'm thinking, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Wow, that was a pretty awesome rendition of Shout to the Lord before. How is she going to top that? You know, that's what was running through my head. And I said, uh, well, I didn't say anything. I'm just, I'm sitting there like this. Seriously, I wanted to see what, what amazing thing is Darlene Sheck going to do. And she gets up there and she was like, oh, Pastor Phil, you know, it's all right. And he said, go on, go on, yeah, just, yeah. as he does if you know Pastor Phil. So she gets the microphone and she goes, and she starts singing a song from my, my, kin, my, my Sunday school days. God is so good. And as soon as she opened her mouth and started singing the God is so good. It was like, boom, through the whole auditorium. 8,000 people just bathed in the presence of God. It's like a big wave that just washed up the, up the seats, and, I, and I, I can feel it now. Because it's not your cleverness and your talent that brings in the presence of God. It's the time you've spent with him. And it just was a, Wow that topped it <laughs> you know and I was just contemplating the fact that it's not my cleverness at dealing with dramas and lawyers and keeping on top of stuff that brings the presence of God into this place it's the fact that he's chosen to give his presence to me and use me and I can turn up anywhere and any time and carry that presence of God to the people because that's my job. That's what he wants me to do. And he wants you to do it too. Are you ready? Have you felt the presence of God? Do you want to feel the presence of God? Why do you want the presence of God? Is it a scary thing? There's an amazing story in the Old Testament that to me just epitomizes the presence of God in three ways. Uh, it's like three positions of getting into that moment where the presence of God is in you, on you, around you. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read, if I can, almost a whole chapter. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. After a long time. Uh, 
a bit of background. Israel had been without rain for three whole years. That means they had no crops for three years. That means they had no seed. As the years went by, the water dried up, the rivers stopped flowing, the streams stopped flowing, and there was a lot of famine and death in the land, and the food diminished, and they were eating their seed so that even if it did start raining, there wouldn't be much to grow. Three years of a famine is severe. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab summoned, summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah is a man who works for the king, Ahab, who's a bad king. But Obadiah, it says in, in verse 3, was a devout believer in the Lord. Ahab was not. He believed in Baal or an idol. While Jezebel was killing the Lord's prophets, Jezebel is Ahab's wife, Obadiah had taken several, had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them for food and water. So he'd done this looking after, paying for. He was a bit of a, he was obviously a wealthy man. He was a, a businessman, or as, a, as we call him in this church here, he was a builder. Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we won't have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover, and Ahab went in one direction. This is the king is down. He's reduced to the, the status of a servant going out and finding grass, finding water on his own. As Obadiah walked along, Elijah met with him. As Obadiah, a man who was a devout believer in God, walked along, he came across the prophet Elijah, who was the one who said to Ahab, it won't rain because of your sin, because of your following of the wrong God. It's not going to rain for three years. And then he disappeared, and the Lord hid him from Ahab. Ahab had been hunting for him to kill him, basically, or to make him change his word over the land. Obadiah recognized Elijah, bowed down to the ground, and said, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? Yes, he replied, go tell your master, Ahab, that Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, this is not, there is not a nation or a kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And wherever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and, and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord your God since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I had a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here, he will kill me. Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. I just want you to focus on that word, present. Elijah was saying, my presence will be in Ahab's presence. That's what the Lord told him to do at the beginning, back in verse 1. Go and present yourself to Ahab. So, verse 16. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? 
I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring 450 of the prophets of Baal. That's the, the key number of the prophets of Baal. It was basically all the key, you know, the top prophets of this foreign religion. And 400 of the prophets of Asherah. So that's not 850 prophets, isn't it? Who eat at Jezebel's table. So they had two gods, a god and a goddess. So Ahab sent word through all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, which wasn't quite true. Uh, we find out later on in the story. But he is the only one who's there. But Baal has 450 prophets. And then there were the other 400 from Asherah. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. So he's handing the priority over to them. There was something about the sacrifice. And let them cut it into pieces, put it on the wood but not set the fire to it. I will prepare the other bull, whichever one is left, and put it on the wood and not set fire to it. And then you will call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And then all the people said, what you say is good. So it's a, it's a contest of the gods and the prophets. Then all the people said, what you said is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And then they danced around the altar they had made. And at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. So they might have been going for like two or three hours. He began to taunt them. He said this. Surely he's a, shout louder, he said. Surely he's a God. Maybe he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and still they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, which is around about 536. That's a lot of dancing. But there was no response. No one answered and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And they came to him and they repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. It's interesting. I don't know whether it was torn down by the prophets or whether it was previously in disrepair. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. I don't know what a seah is, probably two baskets. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering. Now, right there is a problem. They've been in famine for three years. Water is scarce. Why on earth would you waste water in the first place but because it was going to soak the wood and make it harder for his fire to light 
they thought, okay, let's do this. So they did it. Then he said, do it again. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. That's 12 jars of water. And they did it a third time. And the water ran down around the altar. All the wood was soaked. It even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. One prayer. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. It burnt everything. That was a pretty powerful fire. I don't know whether it was lightning. We don't know whether it was a fireball, a meteorite. Who knows what it was, but everything was vaporized and burnt up. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate on the ground. They cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The, the power display of God convinced them. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. So they seized them. And Elijah had brought them down. There must have been quite a crowd of people. This is the nation of Israel fight, you know, choosing their God. This is, this is the biggest show uh, since who knows when. So they grabbed them and took them down into the Kishon Valley and they slaughtered them there. And probably the other ones as well, the prophets of Asherah. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of heavy rain. I find this interesting that Elijah has had this powerful lightning moment, a God impacting moment. One man against 850, whatever it was, prophets smashed the altar, the burnt, the sacrifice. It's just like such a God moment. It's like when we go to God and we want something done and it gets done, we go, yes, that's it, great power. God's power, it's, it's effective, it's happened, it's done, it's, we're succeeded. And yet he says to Ahab here, go and eat. And drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So in other words, God's power has been shown. It's proof that he's effective and happening and operating in this situation. There's no rain yet, though. But Elijah says, I hear the sound of a heavy rain. So, says, Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. He sat down on the ground and started praying. I find that very interesting that the king and his people could go off and eat and enjoy while Elijah went off to pray. Why did he have to go off to pray? Because the rain hadn't happened. All he had was the powerful moment, the experience moment, the, the, like the big shining moment saying it's going to happen. But the rain still hadn't come. So, go towards the sea, he told his servant, and the servant went up and looked. So he climbed up to the top of the mountain, just over the hill, and looked. There is nothing, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, 
There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the seas. Tiny cloud out at sea, the Mediterranean. And so Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So Ahab was still there somewhere, but he'd just gone off to have lunch. But he was still around. He hadn't gone back to his palace. But Elijah says, now, hitch up your chariot and go before the rain stops you. In other words, it's coming. It's coming right now. You better get going. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on Ahab. Oh, came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord, I love this bit, the power of the Lord came on Elijah. Imagine this. Power of of the Lord comes on Elijah now, and he hitches up his cloak. His, uh, tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. He ran faster than a horse and chariot. He must have felt like one of their Marvel superheroes. Can you imagine, can you imagine his joy as he's running along? His legs are just going like the roadrunners and, uh, and, and, and or whoever other comic, cartoon, Marvel character you want to put in there. But he's running like the Flash. I can imagine him laughing as he was doing it. I can remember running down a hill uh, and then finding my legs were going too slow for the speed that I was traveling as a young boy. And it starts off laughing and then you just get really worried because you don't know that if any moment you're going to leave your legs behind and go face forward, Uh, which we generally did. Um, Who's done that? (laughs) Lots of people. I think that we are in the first moment. We have been believing and praying and pushing and waiting and working and giving and saving, and we have this fire of God lightning miracle moment where we've, been, we've now got a building extension and, and, it's, and it's expanded and we can actually see the evidence of everything that God's been doing in the, behind the scenes over the last nine years. All of a sudden it's visible. The problem is the rain's not started yet. What do I mean by the rain? Well, you've got to look at the purpose. The purpose of Elijah's miracle moment of the fire and his prayer and his presence on the mountain was the rain. That was the fruit of the whole thing. Why? Because the fruit, the rain, was what was going to bring life back to the nation of Israel. He brought, first of all, he brought spiritual life by convincing them of God. Then he brought physical life and abundance back into the nation of Israel, so much so he could tell Ahab to go off and eat and drink, so much so that he could tip out the water onto the sacrifice because he just knew that he knew that he knew he had faith in the future that God had set out for him that it's going to be okay even though you're in the middle of a tough time. I like the fact that Elijah had to ask God only once for the power moment. Bang! There it is. But then he had to sit down and he had to pray over and over and over Seven times for a length of time. And I think that is the moment that we now find ourselves in. And God is calling us to step up to that seeking his presence moment so that we can 
get before him and keep looking for that moment where the rain comes and fills the place with life. We have just almost doubled our footprint here. I believe the angels are celebrating in heaven because they see the tool that we have managed to get by God's grace by his, with his help. And they, and they see in anticipation the effectiveness of our soul-winning moments through over the next three, five, ten years. They can see it coming. They, they can hear the rain. It's like Elijah said, I hear the sound of the rain. Well, I hear the sound of many voices, of many children's voices, of many parents coming in, adults, individuals. I hear the sound of the voices of those that are getting saved. Can you hear those voices? Can you hear the joy? The, the joy of Elijah as he ran behind in front of the, the uh, chariot. That's the kind of joy that we have coming our way because of what Jesus has done for us. As we see, we're going to see lives transformed by the power of Jesus, more powerful than any lightning strike from heaven. It has eternal consequences. What, what can we do to make sure that that happens? Well, there's three people in this story, three main people that I want to look at. Ahab, he represents, and the people of Israel, they represent those that are outside that need Jesus. All right. So the three main people, players in this team here is, first of all, you've got Elijah. He's the amazing leader. He's the one who's put in the time to maintain and work on the presence of God so that he has the confidence. He, he's got with God enough times. He knows what God does when he does it. When he gets told to do something, he does it. He knows that God is for him. Thank you for that, Liv. That's the first character. The second character is, well, let me continue with Elijah for a moment. He's a leader. Now, we need, in our church, we need more and more leaders. And the more people we have coming into this place, we need more leaders. So if you want to be a leader, Paul tells us, as he wrote to uh, Timothy, I think, he who desires to lead, or she, who desires to lead, desires a good thing. It's a good thing to want to lead. Why? Why would it be a good thing to want to lead? Well, it's not for ego's sake. It's not so that you're better than anybody. It's not for any of those reasons. The only reason, because elsewhere Jesus explains the difference between God, kingdom leaders and, and earthly leaders. It's not for your own sake. It's for the kingdom's sake. It's for the growth of the church. It's leaders bear more fruit. That's what they do. That's why they're there to lead. It's, it's, that's their job. It's to multiply themselves and be more effective in the kingdom of God. Second thing is, second character is Obadiah. I like Obadiah because he's what I call a builder. So we've got leaders and we've got builders. He's a guy who works in a secular job. He actually worked for the king. He worked in the palace and he had, he had money. He had disposable income. And he used that income to build the kingdom of God in that place in a time when it was very, very difficult. I would say building a godly kingdom in this place, in Australia, in the world today, is difficult. It's been fairly easy in Australia, and it still is fairly easy compared to other countries. But it's getting more and more difficult, don't you think? But Obadiah... Now, 
we just hear him in this story, but he actually ends up having a, a book named after him. He wrote a book. He's one of the minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament. So if you want to read more about what he said, he was a man who was not only a builder and, and, and had money and had a job and, and financed the kingdom, he had a very good, passionate, spiritual life. He worshipped God. He says, I worship God, he said. I love the Lord and worship the Lord. The third one is the servant. He is he's a worshipper, but we don't know anything about him. He's nameless. He doesn't have a name. Elijah says to him, go. He goes. And yet he plays a vital part in the story because what he does he is like the fulfillment of Acts 6 where the disciples said, it's not good that we stop preaching and praying in order to serve food at the tables. Choose some other men, some other people, spiritual people who know the vision, hold the vision, carry the vision. They know what our goal is. They know what our purpose is. Choose them and let them serve on the table so we can devote ourselves to preaching and to prayer. Basically, the servant is all of us. We are all to be serving the Lord with all our heart. That's, that's our goal. The servant gets sent seven times. I think by about the fifth time, I'd be like, again? Not a, not a grumble, not a gripe. It needs doing. Off he goes. Seventh time, he comes back and he's got a tiny report. And then Elijah, when he brings back a tiny report, what does he get? Does he get a arrest? No, he gets a bigger assignment. Go find Ahab. So if you are obedient to God and you do the little thing he's asked you to do, you will be rewarded with a bigger thing. But that's what we're here for, isn't it? And so this is why we seek the presence of God. We seek his presence because with the presence... Through the presence comes the power. And once we have the power of God to transform our lives around us, then we bear fruit. I, I wrote it down in, a, uh, in a one single phrase, which I just want to pull out because I, I like... This one hasn't updated. I'm going to go to my phone. I want you to remember this phrase. If you can remember this phrase, his presence and his power achieve his purpose. Why would we want to have the presence of God? Why is it important that we get that sense of God being around us because his presence and his power and they, they kind of come together Jesus went out into the desert after his baptism in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit I've often wondered why does God choose to define these as two separate entities two, two separate things presence and power his presence and his power achieve his purpose and my purpose is his purpose I want to just play uh, maybe a, I had about three or four, three clips I wanted to play you. Can we just 
choose one of those, Elmar, and um, pop one up. I'm not sure which one I... This is the highlights. John Gray. So they were just, they were highlights at the end of the, end of the conference. And uh, I, I was feeling a lot better by the end of that conference than, than at the beginning. I was feeling like it's not, it's not about what I've done and what I do. It's, uh, Lord, I can trust you. And, and I managed to turn my thoughts away from myself and more my stress and my worries and, and I managed to focus them back on God and, and I, I would like to challenge you all if you have a moment uh, one of these areas that you just think God might be putting his finger on he doesn't want to change you instantly he doesn't want to transform you into perfection all at once but what one thing could you step into, push into from here? Is it, is it uh, leadership? Is, is there something in leadership that you feel God wants you to lead, get trained in? Stephen is doing a leadership training course at the moment, and you can join in with that. It's developing. I've said to him, Stephen, I want you to develop up-and-coming leaders on the course. Get Leader is responsible for persistent faith. That's a challenge. Persistent Prayer, power, and presence. That's a leader's job. Or are you looking more like Obadiah? Are you a builder supporting the kingdom while working? Well, I'll tell you, we do need businessmen, businesswomen in this church to keep praying for rain, in effect. We need to continue paying for that building over the next 15 years. 
So this will be an ongoing thing. I mean, if we could pay it off faster, wonderful. But, but we do. If you feel that God is calling you to help pay off this loan, then get onto the direct debit business person and start building into the kingdom of God because you are helping to establish the presence of God in this place in a very real way. Thirdly, the servant. Serving, giving what you've got in your time, in your effort. We hold volunteering as a high value in this church. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're here for the first day. If you would like to serve, come and see Brian that was here, uh, standing up here earlier on. Uh, he is the leader over the volunteers, and he will help you go into an area, any area you can choose, or you can do a gifts test. There's so much you can do. Um, but those three things. Can you imagine what our church would look like if we start nailing these four things? Leadership. So my, my four words for the year. Leaders, builders, worshippers, souls. Leaders, builders, worshippers, souls. And in that story, we have leaders epitomized or shown up by Elijah. Builders shown up by Obadiah. Worshippers shown up by the servant. Souls shown by example Ahab and the community. Let's stand. I want to pray a special prayer of God's presence upon you. Um, I did come away from conference feeling comfortable that, yes, it's not about me, it's about what God's given to me, what he does through me. And uh, uh, on the way back, I stopped at, uh, Lil and I stopped at uh, the church we oversee, C3 Langford, and, um, and I preached there for the first time. And um, it, was, it was good. The night before, I was praying, I was saying, Lord, is there anything you want to tell me, any words you want to give me? And uh, normally I will, I will hear things like, uh, or sense God saying things like uh, ears or left shoulder or knee or for a healing or something in the eyes or whatever. And, and, and I've had seen some, some good stuff, some good healing going on in people's lives like that. But this time I heard the word um, bipolar and I thought, that is uh, really out there for me, uh, Lord. You've never said that to me before. And so the next morning as I get up and I'm finishing my preaching and I'm talking to the people and saying, look, now we're going to have a moment where God wants to heal and, and he's given me this word bipolar. Nothing. Nothing at all. And I, and I just sort of chatted on a little bit as I do to say, look, you know, I often have people not come forward when I mention it and then and then afterwards in lunchtime when you know the presence and the moment is gone and the, and the spirit of God that, that you, you missed your moment is past they come and say oh I think that was me yeah that was definitely me I'm like, why didn't you step forward when God was calling you to step forward anyway I was telling that to the people and then uh, one lady over here said oh my brother's got bipolar he's at home I said, okay, well, you come forward, I'll pray for him. But in my experience, that's not usually what God gives me word of knowledge for. And as I stepped down to pray for her, I noticed this other young lady standing here and, I, and someone behind, a lady behind her. And I said, 
what's she here for? She was crying. She's bipolar. I'm like, so I prayed for the first one and went to pray for this young lady and, and the sense of the presence of God was the most powerful that I have ever felt, equal, equal to the most powerful that I've ever felt. And, um, and, and it was like, not only was she healed in that very moment, and I've talked with her since, but I felt like I'd been healed because God was pouring his presence through me again and and it was so much a relief you don't know maybe you do know maybe that's what you need right now we're going to do two things first of all we're going to pray a salvation prayer so that if there's anybody here who hasn't done that and said okay I'm ready to take that step if you're ready today, pray the prayer with us out loud and then I'll get you to put your hand up afterwards and we'll just uh, give you a cheer and give you a little bag with some um, a New Testament and a little booklet that will just help you get started because it's the start of a journey. Then after that, which is kind of like the main event, really, but it's not because there's more. Then after that, the rest of us, the body of Christ, the church, Let's receive his presence here right now. Let's receive God's presence now, today, because he, he wants to give it. He wants to pour it out. So first of all, let's pray. Please repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for my sin so that I didn't have to. Thank you for rising again, claiming eternal life for yourself and for me. I give you my life. I receive your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Who prayed that for the first time? Anybody? Let's see your hand. One over here. Thank you. Anyone else? Let's just give this lady a... Grab a, one of the packs. We've got some ushers there with a little pack, so please do that. Second thing is, let's just maintain an attitude of prayer. I want you to, if you will, put your palms upwards as if you're about to receive a gift from God. Body language actually matters. I don't know why Elijah sat down on the ground with his head between his knees. Maybe that, by experience, was his way of receiving. But I've found that when we just have a body language of here's my it's kind of revealing my heart it's, it's an open it's like surrender but it's also like receiving there's so much in an attitude of here I am Lord Heavenly Father Heavenly Father we just thank you for this moment Father we just thank you for the presence of your spirit that your Holy Spirit is here in power and presence. Lord God, I ask for your presence to sweep this place now. Be filled with the presence of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Be filled with the presence of the Lord. Jesus. Those watching online, do the same thing. Close your eyes. 
Lift your hands to, to heaven. God is just as powerful there as he is here. Be filled in Jesus' name. There's a couple of people here that are sensing the presence of God upon them in, in the, for the first time in a new way. Now, don't, don't panic. Don't, don't get nervous. Just, uh, you, you might feel that you're starting to go weak at the knees or a little bit floppy. That's, that's actually quite a normal reaction. There's usually and likely to be a couple that are saying, like, I don't feel a thing. I never feel a thing. That's okay. Just, just wait and tell God your desire. Lord, I, I want to know what he's talking about. Lord God, I pray especially for those that have never felt your presence, but, but are talking to you and saying, come on. So you pray that prayer. You can pray it in your mind. You can whisper it out loud. Just say, come on, God, I'm ready. Can tell, show me your presence. Give me a presence. Let your presence fall on me, Lord. Let's just all ask God for that. Lord, we want your presence to fall in this place. Because with your presence comes your power and that fulfills your purpose. Lord, we want to be, we want to be people of purpose in this place. So please pour your presence on us. Jesus, Jesus. just asking God if there's anything he wants me to pray for and uh, at this moment I just feel that there's um, I just have the word mind in my head in my mind and uh, so I feel that he wants to pray he wants me to pray for those who are having a battle in their mind if you are feeling like that's you that, that there's a battle in your mind you're just you're fighting in your mind then come why not come down the front? I've got a little bottle of oil here and in obedience to what the Lord told me a few years ago is I pray and I put a dot of oil on you and there you go. Thank you, sir. If that's you, there's a battle in your mind, come down the front. Even if you think you've got it sorted but you just want to make sure that you, know, you, you stay sorted, then if that's you, come on. God's doing some healing of our minds this morning. That's good. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Lord. He uses our mind for His glory. That's great. Thank you, Lord. People, uh, if that's you as well, and you, but you just want to stay where you are, then that's fine. But if you would just reach your hands out and pray for these down the front. Um, it, there's power in the corporate prayer as we join together. And it's just basically the way I like to do it is, is just sort of reach your hand out and, uh, and just say, use me, Lord. Use me. I'm here. I'm present. I'm part of this family. I'm part of your family. And, uh, but feel free to just relax, do whatever you want. This is no pressure here. 
No pressure. Just presence. Thank you, Lord. Filled with His presence. The peace of His presence. Jesus. There you go. Healing. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Peace. There you go. There you go. You're receiving that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Peace, the presence of God. Jesus. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your care, for your peace, for your power. For your power. There's a gentleness that comes with the presence of God. I love the fact that the second miracle was accompanied by silence and waiting and, and stillness. Jesus, be filled. There you go. Rain, let the rainfall. No more turmoil, no more division, no more divided ways. One mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Be strong and know that I'm God. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Be still. Jesus' name, be still. Get that peace. Fill every part of your body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. With your peace comes joy, confidence. In Jesus' name. Stepping out. Thank you, Lord. The joy of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea, the whole, the whole world will be aware of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, be filled with your peace. Is there anyone else? These guys are going to make their way back now. And if there's anyone else who'd like to come forward, Anybody else while we just maintain that attitude of prayer? Thank you, Lord. Okay. While I'm praying, if you want to just come forward.
you with the oil of the Lord. Be filled with His presence, filled with His Spirit. Banish fear in the name of Jesus. And bring rest and joy. May it surround you like a shield, like light in Jesus' name. a individual request if there's anyone else who has just an individual request for anything at all and you want to come down I'll pray for you let's just do it in this moment while everyone's praying with you so if that's you come on news is God will be here again next week and any moment you stop to talk to him let's just close in prayer Lord God we just thank you for this day Lord I thank you for your presence here I just I I sense your joy I sense your love I sense uh, a sense of fun that you have you have enjoyed being with us this morning and uh, Lord we just love you love being with you Lord, I ask that each and every person will leave this place with a sense of peace that comes from the presence of God and that that peace will actually travel with them as they come into contact with others and, uh, and so much so that, that people will remark, well, what is it that's different? Why, why are you happy? What's, what's going on in your world? Opening the way for conversations. In Jesus' name, we thank you. I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Have a great week. Let's just give the team and our God a hand. And if you'd like to join us in a prayer meeting this Friday at nine o'clock, it's called an all-night prayer. It goes till midnight. Then the new day starts. So uh, there we go. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.